tonight and the gospel according to St. John chapter 20. John 20 beginning at verse 19. Then the same day at evening, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut, where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews, came Jesus and stood in the midst and saith unto them, Peace be unto you. And when he had so said, he showed unto them his hands and his side. Then were the disciples glad when they saw the Lord. Then said Jesus to them again, Peace be unto you. As my Father has sent me, even so send I you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and saith unto them, Receive ye the Holy Ghost. Whosoever sins ye remit, they are remitted unto them. And whosoever sins ye retain, they are retained. But Thomas, one of the twelve, called Didymus, was not with them when Jesus came. The other disciples therefore said unto him, We have seen the Lord. But he said unto them, Except I shall see in his hands the print of the nails, and put my finger into the print of the nails, and thrust my hand into his side, I will not believe. And after eight days again, his disciples were within, and Thomas with them. Then came Jesus, the doors being shut, and stood in the midst, and said, Peace be unto you. Then saith he to Thomas, Reach hither thy finger, and behold my hands. And reach hither thy hand, hither thy hand, and thrust it into my side. And be not faithless, but believing. And Thomas answered and said unto him, My Lord and my God. Jesus saith unto him, Thomas, because thou hast seen me, thou hast believed. Blessed are they that have not seen, and yet have believed. A wonderful Lord's Day was unfolding that day. After the crucifixion of, of Jesus, many have tried to Probably every Christian has tried to imagine what it would have been like to have been one of the Lord's followers and to be anywhere near what happened on the day he was crucified. They knew of many of his miracles. Those that were closest to him saw just about all of his miracles. They were convinced that he had great power. They, Peter early on, confessed that he was... The Christ, the Son of the Living God. That, that's that's an amazing thing to say about somebody. The Son of God. That's who Jesus is. He's God's Son. I think of Brother Cal Wolf's testimony where he I think he was peeking over someone's shoulder when they were reading the Bible or something like that, and he on the ship there during World War II, and he didn't even know God had a son. Well, God does have a son. 
and he was crucified. And he had also told the disciples, every now and again, he'd say something about what was coming. They weren't really wanting to hear that, and they let that be known in different ways. But the day did come, and he was brutally killed on a cross. So to to put ourselves in the disciples' place as far as uh, just everything leading up, all the miracles, you would think they would ride the wave of those miracles all the way to eternity with praises on their lips and they'd be on a, they'd be happy all the way through. But they were, they were people that experienced things that people experienced. They experienced more than most have experienced, obviously, by being in this scenario. But uh, there they were. They were in that room on uh, the evening of the day uh, Jesus rose from the dead and had already showed himself to some, and he knew just what they needed. They were fearful. They didn't know what was going to happen next. He had said some things, but again, I don't think they really paid too much attention to some of those things. But he said, peace be unto you, and I'm sure there was a great sense of peace in that place just immediately. Then he began to show them his hands, his side, and they were so glad. They knew who was standing there in their midst. Came right in there where the doors didn't even have to be opened. Another one of his miracles. Well, there was somebody that wasn't there. We, we know who it was. It was a man by the name of Thomas. Thomas has gained great notoriety for doubting. All you have to do sometimes is just mess up one time and you, you get a reputation. You know, you can do a lot of good things. It's been said in various ways. But you mess up and you'll, you'll have a hard time living that one down. Well, Thomas is still trying to live this one down because they're still calling him Doubting Thomas. You know, I looked up a little bit about him as far as what the Scripture speaks about him there in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Uh, there, uh, early on in, in those Gospels, when Jesus was choosing his disciples, there's Thomas's name. There he is, Thomas, one of the twelve. Well, one of the twelve really meant something. But you know, being called of the Lord to serve him and to follow him to be saved is something too. It's really something. And you know, the enemy of our souls, it's one of his things he does is try to belittle the children of God. Tries to make them feel that they are, they're not worth anything. Well, and sometimes a person can feel that way, and, and sometimes they can have good reason to be very humble before God and, and come uh, pleading to the Lord and asking for his help. But Thomas was chosen of God, of the Lord, to be a disciple and to be one of the twelve, and the Father was uh, the one who really was behind that you know, when Jesus prayed for uh, the direction there, we're sure. We find him in John, the 11th chapter, when Lazarus had passed away. Lazarus, Jesus' friend, had died. Jesus was getting close to uh, that time where he would be crucified, and things were uh, getting very tense. There, things were not safe for him in Judea, and uh, they, were, they were going to go. Jesus was indicating, I'm going to head that way. Well, who speaks up but Thomas? Thomas wasn't known for being outspoken, it seems. At least that's not how I learned about Thomas. I have to be, I have 
to be honest, I just learned about him being doubting Thomas. Well, he was uh, speaking up and uh, to the group, and he said, let's just all go dine with him. He's putting himself in danger. Let's, let's go. Let's, he's very, uh, a good patriot, very, very loyal. And he indicated that. He spoke up. You know, sometimes you speak up in a group, and you wish maybe you wouldn't have spoken up. Maybe you think you have a good idea. It comes quickly, and you, you let it go. Well, uh, anyway, uh, Jesus went, and he went to Jerusalem as he was going to do. Went and raised Lazarus from the dead. Uh, Thomas saw that. He saw a man that had been raised from the dead after being dead four days. That's a miracle, as we all know. And Thomas saw it. Well, there in the upper room, there the, the, where they had the Last Supper, Jesus was there with his disciples, and there was a couple of the disciples that spoke up again. Thomas speaking up about, about the way. We, we don't know where you're going, Lord, and what, what's the way? Well, Jesus told him, he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And he would call him out by name. Philip said something that maybe Philip wished he hadn't said. kind of stuck his neck out there. And, and the Lord let him know, you have been with me all this time. I have spoken many things. I have I've done many things. And in so many words, he, he wanted them to know who he was. He wanted them to know that they could trust in him. That they could just follow him as close as possible all the way, every day, and never, never doubt. Well, uh, Thomas, again, here he, he comes at, to the second time when the Lord uh, reveals himself. I don't know if you've ever missed something you, you wish you hadn't missed. Uh, sometimes there's a, a good gospel meeting and maybe someone will call their friend and say, you know, the Lord's working. And maybe for whatever reason they couldn't come. We don't know why Thomas was not there. But Thomas wasn't there. He might have been sick. We don't know. The Bible doesn't tell us, but he was not there. But when he heard the news of this of this appearance of the Lord and the Lord uh, speaking peace to them and, and showing them his wounds, he said, unless I had the same experience you just had, basically, I'm not going to believe it. And they knew him quite well by then, I'm sure, and they probably were saying, well, that's Thomas. That's just the way he is. And, and we'll just see what happens. Well, Jesus knew him better than they did. And Jesus was ready for him. Aren't you thankful for that? When you came to church tonight, Jesus was ready for you. When you walked in, in whatever frame of mind or attitude of heart, or how much faith or how much doubt you had, the Lord knows. And he's ready. He's waiting for us. And so he, uh, was, he was waiting for Thomas. So he just zeroed right in on him, and he just said, Thomas, here I am. Check me out. It's me. Well, folks, with all the reputation Thomas has for doubting, I'd like to consider this tonight as much as we can consider it, because it's not just a saying. Thomas looked at him. I don't even think Thomas touched him. The Bible doesn't say he even had to touch him. Maybe he did. Maybe he didn't. But what he did do was he said, my Lord and my God. He took his whole life, his whole heart, his whole past and future and everything that he had 
And he just put it right in those words, I believe. He just told the Lord, you are my God. I love you. You have, you're just everything to me. We sing that. We sing songs related to the Lord, many songs. And uh, when you sing them, uh, it really, really is wonderful when you can really, really mean it. Sometimes the song leader will say, sing it like you mean it. Well, uh, we know that Thomas, when he said this, it was all there. And you know, if an individual can come to the Lord and really mean that, you are my Lord, you are my God, that person is just, whatever God has in store for them right then, they're, they're going to receive it. They're going to have what he wants them to have. There is just nothing between. You know, there's something about the ownership of, of Jesus Christ. We talk about him being ours and we, his, us being his. You know, uh, we, we speak about uh, more about him being ours. But, you know, uh, there's a, another side to that. And I've already just said it. And that is that we must be his. You know, when, when Thomas told the Lord, you're my Lord and my God, I believe he was giving himself as completely as he could give himself to the Lord right then. Because that's how this works. Many people claim Christ. They name the name of Christ. We're told in the Word of God that those that name the name of Christ need to depart from iniquity. There are some who are, they don't really love God. They're thankful there's a God. They're thankful there's, uh, even for his goodness, perhaps, that's been shown them. But there's a level, there's a threshold that's got to be crossed to be able to really, really know the Lord and to really be able to uh, have him have his way in our lives. You know, there's a lot of examples in the Bible of, of individuals that uh, made proclamations like Thomas's. I couldn't help but think of Ruth. Naomi, her mother-in-law, left Bethlehem. Times were tough. Famine. She went to go uh, be able to survive and went to Moab with her husband and her boys. Went away with a family. She went to Moab. The boys got married. Well, in, the, in a, I think it's a space of ten years, her husband died. And you know, we're not told how he died. We're just told that he died. But you know as well as I do that when one of your loved ones dies, there's a whole lot more to it than just saying they, they passed away. There is a process, perhaps. There was all kinds of circumstances can happen, and they're not easy to go through. Well, he died, and then her sons died. Well, there she was with her two daughters-in-law. And she made a proclamation to go back home. She said, I'm gonna, she declared, I'm, I'm going to go back. There's bread in, in, in Bethlehem now. And so she was going to go home. And it was time to part ways with her daughters-in-law. And I think it's very amazing that what Naomi went through, we don't know hardly anything that she went through. We know she lost three family members. But Ruth, there had to be something about Naomi's walk with God 
hurt. He's my God. Testimony that lived in front of Ruth in spite of all her circumstances to where when Ruth went through all of this with her, with her own losses, could let Naomi know, you know, you can try to tell me to go back to Moab, but your God is going to be my God. Your people are going to be my people, all that. But we're focusing on, on God tonight. We thank God for the people of God and relatives and, and, and uh, different things like that. But the fact that she could say, your God is going to be my God, folks, you can't say that really without meaning it, I don't believe. I imagine people have said a lot of things that are similar. I think about there on Mount Carmel when uh, Elijah was burdened for his people and, and there was the prophets of Baal and they're having their, uh, they're going on to try to uh, bring fire down on their sacrifice and, and the, Elijah prays his prayer where the Lord will open the people's eyes and help them to see who their God is again. You know, years ago I used to be thrilled at their response. The Lord, he is the God. But folks, it's got to become more personal than that. It really does. I mean, you're, you're thrilled when, oh, okay, the whole nation, they're, they're, they're starting to see who they need to turn to, who they need to trust. But to be able to say, the Lord, he is God. You know, you could say a whole lot more about this subject. I thought about the the man, the rich young ruler, he's, he's, he's preached on a lot. There he comes to the Lord. He says, good master. You know, somebody else called him master one time. Mary Magdalene, that morning when Jesus, she thought he was a gardener. And this is another one of those, one of those things that we, we have to be able to match, folks. Not duplicate, not try to maybe recreate the scenario, but that, but that love for the Lord, that desire for the Lord. If a person's not saved, do you want to be saved? You know, I remember before I got saved, there was something that was starting to really draw me. And I, I wanted to, I wanted to honor God, but I was a world away from it. Mary Magdalene was delivered from seven devils. I remember one time, Brother Dogfin at the downtown church, he called me a little devil. I probably had one devil, half of one, maybe, I don't know. I was naughty. He got so tired of me, he just called me a little devil. Well, I haven't forgotten that, and I have never had blamed him for calling me that. But Mary Magdalene had seven of them, and she was miserable. And Jesus saved her from the devil, saved her soul, and she could say, Master, Rabboni. She loved him. Oh, we must love him with all of our hearts. And in closing, and I, and I really mean this, I'm going to close. Last night, when one of the specials was sung, I believe it was the last special, Down From His Glory, I kind of woke my wife and said, this is going to be a treat. I don't even know if she heard me. I you don't want to talk too loud in church. You only want to talk if you really need to. Anyway. But I want to just rehearse the chorus to that song. The reason I say it was a tree is because I knew that whoever sang it, the 
the brother that was going to sing it, he couldn't do it halfway. It had to be all the way. He says, oh, how I love him. How I adore him. My breath, my sunshine, my all in all. The great creator became my savior. And all God's fullness dwelleth in him. That's Jesus Christ. He's a, he's a wonderful Savior. When we sing that, when we say that, it's true. But for us to be able to really say it and love the Lord, and maybe tears will come to your eyes, that's what we need to be able to do. That's kind of like a goal if a person feels like they're, maybe their love is kind of growing a little cold to the Lord. That's, can you do what Thomas did? No, not like that one king who bowed over Elisha when he was dying and said, My father, my father, the chariot of Israel, the horsemen are up. It's like he kind of copied what Elisha said. Well, when Elisha said it, folks, everything was in that one too. He loved Elijah. He loved Elijah's God. He wanted the Spirit of God. God filled him. One last thing about, well, I said I'd close, but did it, did it. Thomas, he was there in the upper room. God filled him up. Filled him with the Holy Ghost. He wasn't berating him about the doubts anymore. He just filled him to overflowing. He'll do the same for us tonight. Just, just come to him just uh, you know, like that, and the Lord's going to just do what you need to be uh, in your life, what you need done. So God bless you. As we look to the Lord in prayer tonight, let's turn to Psalm 341. The altar prayer is open.